You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Sometimes I think about it too much. I'm like, should I be like Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum? Or be real happy. Hey, you're listening. No one wants to listen to someone who's too happy, do they? Is that true? But uh, welcome. I hope you guys had a good week. And uh, things are a little crazy with the, uh, you know, California's getting shut down again. Beaches last weekend were closed. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to go on about this. Just uh, thought things were getting better. And, you know, jokers, jokers caused this. Jokers. Uh, how's everybody's anxiety this week? Is everybody uh, holding up? Are we exercising? Are we keeping to a routine? Are we? Are we going to therapy? Are we uh, talking to someone? Are we talking this out? By the way, check out these new pillows. Holy crap. Allison made these for me. And I want to thank Leah, too, for being amazing. Look at this. Out of t-shirts. She made these pillows. I love them. Inside of you pillows. Thank you to all my patrons, especially during this whole time. Uh, when you join Patreon, you're helping the show. Ryan thanks you. I thank you. Bryce thanks you. Thank you for supporting the podcast, going above and beyond. By just listening, it you are amazing. But people who join Patreon, the amazing community, and I can't believe how many people have become friends on this on this thing. Uh, if you're interested, go to Patreon. Go to Inside of You under Patreon. It's a, it's an app, and uh, support the show if you like. Also, shout out. Um, uh, Toronto McDonald House, Los Angeles, and all over the world. They're everywhere, and they're so important, helping families and kids going through treatments. And um, foodonfoot.org, you know, I love them. Shout out to my buddy Rob. Um, and I don't know if you saw my glasses. Sarah made them for me. They were amazing. The uh, uh, It was like a, a Luther and a, a Kent, and it was a decanter. Is that what you call them? A decanter for alcohol. Pretty neat. Um, I had a, yeah, it was just, it's just cool. So those are awesome. Uh, you know, status quo, man, just, um, you know, just trying to keep busy, I guess. It's crazy. I think I'm bit busier, you know, on this whole lockdown thing. Do you, do you guys get the feeling like, you know, you see friends all the time and then when you don't see friends, you get in a little depression and you're a little bit anxious and then months go by and then you're like, I love them. I miss them, but I'm kind of used to this stuff. That's not entirely true. I do miss my friends, but the longer you don't see them, you know, it's like, fuck, I don't, I don't even remember what it's like hanging out with them. I mean, there are a couple of people that I've, I've seen, but not many trying to abide. The dude abides. Oh, you know what? I also, I had a good cry. I had a good cry. I was watching uh, Titanic. You guys ever seen Titanic? <laughs> I know you've seen Titanic. Some people are like, I never saw that. I don't want to see it. Uh, it's, you realize why, I mean, James Cameron's just extraordinary, but I'm watching it. And at the end, you know, when the old woman, she's there and she's like, you know, she goes back into the Titanic in her mind as she's older and it's, it's near the end. And all I thought, she's just trying to think of Jack and those moments. And, I, and all I did was think of my grandma, you know, cause I talked to her FaceTime almost every day. And she's like, I miss my Irvy. You know, I miss my grandpa. I miss my grandpa. That wasn't her grandpa, but she's like, I miss my Irvy. I you know, and I made these big signs for her at Staples because uh, when we went to the funeral uh, back in November, um, I was like, I don't want this to be just boring and tables and food. So I had these pictures blown up to these giant poster size uh, and made like four of them of me and Irv on a go-kart and Irv playing t just cool stuff. And she still has them next to her bed. 
and she has them in the house. And she goes, I talk to Irvi every day. And it's just so sweet. But anyway, that scene in Titanic made me uh, made me tear up. And um, I love my grandma. Call your grandmas, will you? Call whoever. Tell them you love them. It's easy. You just, here, look at this. You just dial. Let's just try to get her right now real quick. Hello. Hey, I just want to call you and tell you I love you. Oh, isn't that nice? I love you, too. Yeah? Oh, a lot. How much on a scale from 1 to 100? At least 100. I was hoping you'd say, like, a 1,000. I, I you said from 1 to 100. <laughs> Touche. Touche, Blanche. Hey, listen, I love you. I just wanted to check in. I'm doing my podcast right now, but I want to just see how you're doing. Are you holding up all right? You holding up for me? Yeah, I am. I'm holding up. I called you last night. Uh, will you be home tonight? Yeah, you busy right now? No, no. But I thought you're doing something. Oh, yeah. Again, you're you're quick. All right, well, I just wanted to say hi and, and take care of yourself, and I can't wait to come see you. All right? All right, I'll, I'll talk to you tonight, though. You will. Okay, sweetheart. All I right. look forward to that. I'll be seeing you. And all the old familiar places. <laughs> I love you. I'll talk to you later. Okay, baby. Bye-bye. Bye. See how easy that was? I just thought it and did it. Do it right now. You'll feel good. Terrific podcast today. Um, thank you guys for, uh, you know, you hear it all the time, but thank you. I uh, wouldn't be here without you. Um, if you're sitting there and you're like, I'm just listening to this one because I like Rebecca Mater or Bex Mater, as she calls herself. And many people call her that as well. We find out why. But uh, if you're watching it for her and you like it, please subscribe. You know, subscribe uh, on YouTube. You can watch it. Listen uh, on most any. Well, my English isn't great. You can listen to it anywhere. Um, and I appreciate the support. Also, the inside of you store. Um, cool stuff. Cool shirts. Cool hats. All that. Uh, fun stuff. And uh, I got to uh, mention old Napoleon Dynamite, John Heater, and I have our horror Patreon as well. Another Patreon called Where Have All the Good Horror Movies Gone? And we're having a blast with that. We just did a Zoom with all the uh, one of the tiers, and we do like a monthly Zoom, and we talk about what we want to watch and what's up. And it's just a nice, it's like a, it's a horror club if you're a horror fan. So thank you for all my horror Patreon fans and Inside of You Patreon fans, uh, Inside of You podcast fans, people who just listen and love let's uh let's jump right into it man let's get inside the fascinating amazing uh she's uh, i loved lost let's get inside of rebecca mater it's my point of view you're listening to inside of you with michael rosenbaum Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum was not recorded in front of a live studio audience. Sarah Gilla just texted me. She said to say what's up. Aw, she's sweet. I should get her on the podcast, too. She's great. She's sweet. Um, I've met her a long time ago. Did you work with her? Sarah Michelle no, Geller? I, I only know her from Bar Method, from working out back in the day. And then I moved back to New York in 2012 because I'm like, I'm going to die alone. And we reconnected there. We had a really good time. Why did you say you're going to die alone? What the hell does that mean? Dating in LA sucks balls. Oh. <laughs> yeah, well, um, if you see me looking at things, it's because I, I'm, like I said, I'm doing all this. Eyes I, I, just, here, dude. I know I got to <laughs> <I gotta> make, <laughs> make sure I'm recording. Postpartum titties. What's up? <laughs> um, postpartum titties. Is that what you just said? You're welcome. Are you drinking a brew? 
Hello. Yes. Mommy's off the clock. He's asleep. <laughs> so dating, I like how you say that. I mean, it is terrible. People don't understand. In, in the world, in general, dating sucks, right? But then in Hollywood, I mean, give me your worst story. <laughs> I've got so many. That would be the whole podcast. Dating in L.A. by Rebecca Maida. What not what, to do. What is I mean, the, is, what's the one thing, though? There's one. That's the reason I pissed myself laughing, because there's one specific date that just went, Poof. it was a classic. It was... I want to say the year was like 2010, 2011. I, and I was, I was currently, I was on Lost at the time. And I'd been single for a long time and I was going back and forth to Hawaii. But I'm like, I should make an effort today. Cool, cool, cool. And I found this um, Facebook group <laughs> called Brits in LA. Do you know what I mean? And I was like, oh, cool. I'll meet some British people. They all live in Santa Monica, whatever, like go down the pub. And then this one guy asked me out on a date and I'm like, okay. And he turned out to be such an arrogant wanker. And he there was a picture of him on Facebook next to a plane. And then he spent the entire meal talking about how he was a pilot. And I was really bored. And then he said to me, he's like, so what do you do for a living then? I'm like, oh, um, I'm an actress. And he's like, right. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Mm. So anything, you know? I was like, oh, no, this is awkward. Oh, you don't yeah. want to pick your own horn and go, I'm um, hilarious. So I was like, um, yeah, I'm, I'm currently on Lost. And he went what? Are you serious? I'm like, yeah. He went, oh. And he was, I swear to God, he was devastated. It was like, he was so annoyed that I was actually successful, that I wasn't like a, a waitress. It's like, oh my God, you're amazing. Do you want a blowjob at the end of dinner? <laughs> and he was so gutted. His whole face and energy just went, Poof. and in that moment, he just checked out. And I just wanted, I should have just got up and fucking left. I don't know why I didn't. And it was the most uncomfortable sushi I've ever had. I thought, it was traumatizing. I thought you were going to say, all of a sudden he heard you say Lost, which was like the biggest show ever back then and one of the biggest shows still. I thought he was going to say something, like his whole demeanor, his whole disposition was just going to change. And then from there on, he was just really sweet. <laughs> That's what I thought you were going. No. So he no, was. It was. It was uh, you emasculated fun. him with one word. Lost. Yeah, it was weird. Oh, sorry. Am I too successful for you? How small is your penis? <laughs> oh, Good times. But that's LA, though. And like, no, and, and also in LA, I find you know I was finding that you know I was looking to get married and have kids, and I was going on dates with people so much older than me, and they're not ready to get married and have kids. How I'm much like older? I'm like, mm, yeah. All right. So I moved back to New York to see if I could find a boyfriend and potential, you know, baby daddy. And I got there. I moved all my shit across the country. I didn't tell anyone. I didn't even tell my agent or my managers. I literally just shipped all my shit across the country. It cost like $6,000. And I just moved to New York. I'm like, I'm going to find a real person that's down to earth. It's going to be great. And it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't as bad as LA, but it was equally shit in a different way because now now that it's become so gentrified so i used to live in new new york back in from like 1998 to 2006 and i had an amazing time in my 20s but then when i went back in my 30s and in 2012 it's totally different and everyone in manhattan all the guys were either a lawyer or a banker oh god yeah that doesn't that's okay, bro, let's do some shots let's do some cocaine and go to the strip club <laughs> I'm going to die alone. And it just cost me thousands of dollars to figure that out. Got it. Well, wait a minute, too, because you also were married before. Yes. When I was in my 20s in New York, I got married really young. 
And was that one of those things where you guys did, were your friends? Did everything work out? Was it nice? And then it just fell apart or was it kind of a spur of the moment thing? You get, you get all hot no, and heavy. No, it was a very drawn out exit stage left, but we were essentially just really, really good friends. You know, he was a really good friend and we became more like roommates and brother and sister. I think is more sort of what happened. So it's kind of like a slow dissolve, a soft fade to black. Are you Nothing still friends? Friendly. You know, friendly. I'm, I'm sort of still friendly with his family, and he's got sisters and kids and stuff. But he had an amazing big family, and that was really hard to lose this massive chunk of people, especially because I don't live in the country. You know, I lost everybody <laughs> all at once. I was like by myself, going, uh oh. Yeah, that's got to be hard when you get you sort of get attached to everybody else. Yeah, and once you start family. doing that, then now you find yourself single. So you're not only single and you hate dating and you're meeting this guy who's a douchebag, but then on top of it, you're like, Oh my God. And then I, I was married and I still have these connections, which is sort of a link to him. You know what you just reminded me of that I totally keep forgetting is that someone broke up with me because I was on lost. Like the guy that I was seeing when I got the part was like a bit <laughs> disappointed that I'd gotten it. And oh. I'm just like, what? Like my dreams are coming true. And he's like, congratulations. I'm like, why don't you just phone in that bloody response? And then after a while, he's like, you know what? I don't really want to be with someone that's going to get recognized. So see you later. I'm like, uh, I'm sorry. I'm, what, what, what? You knew what? I was like, okay, cool. It's like the, all these blokes along the way, like, oh, I, don't, I, don't, I like you, but I don't like you successful. So bye. what is that? There's something psychological there. I'm, I'm sure you well, have a therapist. I'm not. Energy, isn't well, it? you know. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what that is because, I mean, if you like someone, you just like, hey, I want, I want to support you. What you do, I'm happy for you. And in fact, if you're if they're not an actor, maybe it adds a little spice to their life. It's you know, it's not like you want to date. Oh, I mean, you're, you're dating. You married an actor? No, I did not. Isn't he a, a director or like a writer or he's not in the industry? He he has a production company and he has produced TV shows, but he also has other businesses. Right. That are really successful so he's not like in hollywood hollywood but he he knows enough that he understands what i do but he's not like balls deep in it which is perfect i love he's how you word. i think it would be a nightmare i love these phrases you use <laughs> <laughs> it's really good now, now how do you know when you met him what was different so is it marcus right mark mark mark, mark. What was different about him than the other guys that you were right away was it the first date where he did something and you thought huh what was it? it? We didn't have a first date ever because we had mutual friends in common and he was in another relationship. So I'd sort of gotten to know him over a long period of time. And then, um, so it was kind of like a slow get to know. And then, and then he and his ex-girlfriend broke up. And then I, I, I hadn't worked in ages. I was, oh my God, it was awful. I was like 70 grand in debt, homeless, and me and my dog couldn't even stay together. This is only in 2013. Why were you like, $70,000 in debt? I hadn't worked in ages. But, but still. My savings because I had to borrow money and uh, like I had a loan. It was, awful. it was awful. I couldn't afford my car anymore. This is post-lost. Yeah. Yeah. It was weird. It was like I was thinking coming off of lost. I'm like, <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> and then it was, it was not. And then when I was working, maybe it was like a guest spot or something little which is a lot less money than when you're a series regular, as you know. So it kind of gotten really, really crap. So when I met Mark, I, I had that year in 2013, I tested for 11 pilots. And got zero. <laughs> now, what, is yeah. that, what does that do psychologically to you? Does that give you, did, that, did you fall into depression? Did you get anxiety? I, it was something that I had to put a lot of energy into surrendering 
Do you know what I mean? Because it was a blow and it hurt. I got on the phone with my team and I'm like, I want you to go out there and I want you to call everybody and get feedback because the only common denominator in all of this is me. So if it's something I'm doing wrong, if it's like my American accent was shit or they didn't think I was connected to the material, whatever the fuck it was, I need to know. Otherwise, I don't even know. If I don't learn from this, then what was the point? Because this hurts. And so they went out and then they came back to me a couple of days later and they were like, none of it was your fault. I'm like, come on, piss off. You know, can't none of it be me? But it was all really weird. It was like one was like, you know, it was an ethnicity thing out of my control. And another thing was like they had to go Canadian visa wise. It was all these weird, stupid, little, completely different reasons that totally outside of my control. So I had like a come to Jesus moment. I'm like, fuck it. I'm just going to have to hashtag surrender and I just threw it all up to the universe and just decided to have a great summer instead and just whatever it is what it is and that was the summer that me and my husband fell in love and I was in a really good mood even though things were really crap because <laughs> so, love conquers all doesn't it Aww. but you know what there's the, but you know in a way it's true when you really are in love and you're that feeling you have I, I don't I mean I haven't experienced it a lot in my life but I, I would say that it's definitely top few feelings that you get it's definitely more exciting than going oh my god i got this part when you're in love with somebody and you're like there's that's i mean this is you know you're thinking i even feel that way i mean don't get me wrong i love my husband (laughs) becoming a parent is way more next level in terms of love because it's a different kind of love and it's like i will cut a bitch i will die i will throw myself into oncoming traffic this like all of a sudden there's this person that you would literally do anything for. Like you can get annoyed and want to punch your spouse, but with your child, it's like, whatever you do, you can, you can, you can shit in my face. I'm like, I've got this. You and know, he has, like, I'm sure. Totally different. And when we're smushing the oxytocin and like the feelings that are released, it's like better than any drug in the world. You're just like, I'm like inhaling him. Like I can't get enough. And it's like, it's like such a high. And then I, you know, it's really helped me get through this pandemic and everything because it's been a really rough time for everybody. And I think being able to smush him has really kind of kept my mood up. Did you, you know? did you think of um, at one point, what am I doing with my life? I, I'm going to quit acting. I'm going to quit all this shit. It's just uh, bringing me down. It's, because think about it. It's just like, you know, you, your life from day to day, it changes. Your emotions change with, I got a part or I got this callback or I, now I didn't. So you're up and down, up and down. And are you an emotional person where you would feel each one? <laughs> I'm the most emo person ever. I mean, I'm just nothing but a bunch of feelings 24-7. Can you cry like that? I mean, like, lose your shit? Yeah. In a, I can cry from two seconds ago. I'm so connected to my emotions, which is a good and a bad thing. It's fun for my husband. And he, I mean, he, I saw, with me. he saw that early, though, right? He saw, like, okay, she's emotional. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't hold back. I mean, I'm totally myself and I'm authentic, but I really, I feel things, which is a blessing and a curse, because... I've had to learn how to not take on other people's shit because I'm so sensitive. If someone's in pain, I'll cry with them. I'm feeling it too. And it used to really like yeah. deplete my energy so much. I had nothing left to give myself. Did you go to therapy about it? Did you like, did you, did you speak to someone? You do. Do you still do that? I love therapy. I, love therapy. Yeah, I don't I do too. currently in therapy, but I have spoken about it. And like, I've tried to sort of learn tools to kind of, hold space for somebody that I love and be present and be there for them. But, and then, but not completely connect to it energetically where you can kind of just hold space here, be empathetic, 
but then not like absorb it where you're like oh god afterwards you know so I've, it's been a lot but that's why I think what you learn over time as you get older I couldn't do that when I was younger that's all you know every time I talk to my friend Tom he always has advice and I remember throughout the years he's like I know you want to be in a relationship bad dude I know I just want you to know one thing imagine all your shit now you've got all their shit so you got all their shit and all your shit. I know you think it's great, and man, there's moments, but it's a lot, dude. It's a lot because their shit is your shit, and if you don't want to deal with their shit, it goes to shit. A lot of shit. That's perfect. <laughs> if I mean that one sentiment there just eradicates all relationship books. Like that's just it sums it up. That is relationships. Relationships is taking someone else's bag of shit. The end. <laughs> It kind of is. And, you know, and it's also how much of their shit can you handle? You want to like throw it in the doggy, you know, trash can on the side of the road. It's, it's a it's a lot. What's know? the best advice a therapist ever gave? Because there's certain things a therapist has told me and I go, oh, my God, you know, little things along the way. What was it that really connected Ooh, you? I had a big one. I had a big, big one about a year and a half ago because I was talking about, you know, how it was like that old adage where people are, oh, well, you know. In England, anyway, like, oh, you marry your father. Da, 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 da. And I was talking to the therapist. I'm like, that's so weird. I'm like, I haven't married my dad at all. Like, my husband and my dad are nothing like. And she let me waffle on for a while with this little smirk on her face. I'm like, waiting to give her response. I'm like, what? And she went, she's like, you don't marry your father, dear. You marry your dominant parent. And I just went, oh, what? She's like, I'm going to give you a minute. And I, all of a sudden, I realized I've married my mum. <laughs> Because oh you do, you marry your dominant parent. That's know. not true completely. I don't know. I mean, that might be true for some people, but like, for instance, like, look, I love my mother. I wish, you know, I, I you know, we don't need to get into that. But <laughs> I, I just want to say that I, I certainly try to marry someone that is, and not, no disrespect, she's who she is. And it's, I just need, I can't marry someone like me. Or like my mother, I need to marry someone who is sort of the antithesis of that. Someone who kind of calms me, tells me to shut the fuck up. Someone who I'm attracted, you know? So I don't but know if that... Your parents in their relation, are they together? No, no, they've been divorced for 15 years. My dad remarried and he had divorced. My mom's... But before they got divorced, who was the dominant parent out? Like, who wore the trousers in the relationship? Oh, man. It was really like, you know... My mom was just off the wall. So my mom would walk into a room and we're watching the Mets game. And all of a sudden she would just go, you're fucked <laughs> to my dad. And then go, I, and just storm out. My mom, I looked at my dad. He's like, what the fuck? What, what's, wrong? what's wrong with you? What? You know, she just said what was on her mind and something, no filter at all. She didn't know if she was making people uncomfortable. So uh, she has a huge heart. But she's the opposite of my dad. So my dad was very reserved, private. I never seen my dad naked. One time I saw his balls, it upset him. But, uh, <laughs> you know, she was kind of out there. So he was like, I, 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 was, I was amazed sometimes how they were together. But then that you talk to my grandmother, my grandmother would be like, they, he was crazy about her. He Aww. was so crazy for so long. And then I think it just got, you know, because he wasn't a jealous guy, but she was sort of... Uh, doing things to provoke him and it just didn't end well. It just did not end well. Do you think that there's, are there certain rules with your marriage where you're like, you know, does, is he very comfortable with himself or he doesn't, you know, does he get jealous? Do you get jealous? Do you, how do you deal with all that stuff? I would say I'm more of a jealous person. I've always been like that my whole life. 
it's definitely, uh, yeah, I'm way more jealous, but um, there's no like rules or anything, but I think there's sort of like this sort of understanding that like, it would be weird for me to like meet a straight guy and then have lunch with him. Like we don't, you know what I mean? It's like any male friends of mine are male friends that predate him or they don't want me sexually because they, uh, you know, are gay or whatever. So that's different because like, that's really the only like I would say is like the rule. Like I don't meet a new guy and have a new guy friend that's straight. That's weird. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, are there, th- are there certain things that you guys feel like you have to tell each other everything, like every last thing, or is it just like I trust you? Go do what you want. When I was younger, I always like wanted my boyfriend to be like my girlfriend, like my best girlfriend, and hear about my day and blah 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 blah. And then this was also good advice from a therapist. She said. He doesn't want to hear it. I don't even remember who I was with at the time. She's like, men just hear blah, 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 blah. When is she going to get to the point? And then with women, she's like, what about when you call a friend or when a friend calls you? And I'm like, oh, my God, tell me everything. Wait, I have to get a beer. <gasps> what were you wearing? Was it a Tuesday? It was It was Thursday. Oh, that changes everything. Wait a minute. What were you wearing? We have to know all the details for all the story. And that's when I've sort of, I've learned to realize that, strengthening my female friendships improves my romantic relationships because I'm never going to get what I want all of it from a man because what women get from other women is something that I don't think a man can really give like the way that we hang and talk shit and cry in each other's arms like you get a different kind of support from from women do you think think women get meaner you know how men can do things that are hurtful and say things but when women, in other words, when, when guys talk about women behind the women's back, so if the guys are downstairs talking about something, the group of them, they're like, and they could say things and it's, it's, uh, you know, whatever it's shallow, it's this, Oh, she had small boobs or, Oh, she had this. Oh, really? You know, guys could, you know, get in their little groups and say their shit. Do women get just as bad? Are they like, Oh my God, he's such a, ugh, I hate, that guy's such great. He's gross. I bet he has the smallest dick. Like, do they get you guys get into that shit? I mean, I think women can be equally as bitchy as men, but I think I don't know. I think when you're in your twenties, you might be friends with people that aren't good for you or people that could be bitchy to you and tear you down. But the best thing for me about getting older is you don't waste your energy on that. So. For me, the female friendships that I have now, none of these people would talk shit about me behind my back, nor I them, because over time you weed out all the dicks. Yeah. You know, so that, so as you get older, like for me, it's like my female friends have become, it's like hanging out on Zoom or Skype in a pandemic with a friend with a glass of wine, soups chilled, is way better than any therapy session. Because those are the kind of like, friends that I have the chats that we have we afterwards you might have mind-blowing moments where you have this realization about something and it's like and I grow just from hanging out with my mates all right tell me tell me if I'm wrong here I feel like women aren't from what I gather from friends other girls you know for instance I have a friend she got something done to her face uh immediately I can't hold anything back I'm a close friend. I just go, what the fuck did you do? <laughs> what? I didn't do anything. Yeah, you did. Don't fucking lie to me. Look at your, look at your mouth. It's like briefcase handles. <laughs> what is that? She goes, I don't know what you're talking about. I go, don't lie to me. Come on. Now women will go, oh my God, you look, I don't know. I'm doing your accent, but you know what I mean? They're like, oh, you look great. Oh no, you're not fat. Oh no, you're not. Where I'm like, someone asked me a question. It is rude to not, I mean, show some propriety. But how could, I don't like when women are too nice to their friends. 
They're too nice. They're like, no, sweetie, you're wrong. No one sees that. Tell them what people see. Do you think I'm fat? Honestly, you're my best friend. Please tell me. I go, look, I think you're beautiful inside out, I'm, but I will not lie to you. Could you lose a few pounds? Sure. We all could. You put it in a certain way, but don't lie to them. Don't sit there and go, yeah. Or am I too skinny? Am I do just, I, I want people around me who are honest. Not so much that I, they don't. I, I agree. And I think I used to be like that kind of girl where I, I think because I wanted to be liked, I didn't dare say something negative to somebody. And I also was so terrified of hurting other people's feelings. That was always one of my greatest fears was making somebody else feel bad because I was bullied so much growing up. So I would be the person like, no, no, you look fine. You look brilliant. I love your new lips. You don't need to gorgeous. I totally used to be like that. I did. But I have to say, I just get more and more and more honest. And I'm, I just, I don't want somebody's lies. Like if I say to someone, I'm feeling a bit weird in my body at the moment, and I feel like I need to lose a few pounds, my best friends will probably go, well, how can I help you do that? Which is agreeing, right? But in a way that lifts me up and says, how can I be of service to you in achieving that? Rather than like, no, no, you're fine. Because if someone says that to me, then I don't want to be your fucking friend. It's like, tell me the truth. Listen, you said earlier, you threw this away like it was nothing. And you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hammer you with it. You said you were bullied as a kid. Yeah. Why were you bullied? And how old were you? Um, I was, it started when I was four. Four? Was yeah, there was this girl at my school that basically bullied me for the three years of that school because in, in england you have like infant school junior and then you go to secondary school so it's like from the age of four did you from say the age of four to seven did you say infant school infant school is yeah. that what you call or it primary. it's either called infants or it's called primary okay primary and secondary and um it was horrible it was almost like she was my captor or something like she owned me it was horrible i dreaded going to school it made me feel sick to my stomach and then when I went to another school and moved away from her, I had some pretty good years. And then another group swept in and they all just decided to bully me together as a group, this group of girls, and just ruined my time at that school, junior school. And then I went to another school. You move on to the next one. And then it happened there with these other girls and they would like follow me on the way to school on their bikes and try and trip me up and push me. Why? Do you know the reason? Were there certain reasons that they call you certain names? Yeah, they were like called me like a posh twat and things like that. Because where I, you know, in England, how you speak determines everything, right? Because and you were class, born in Cambridge, right? Yeah, because the class system is still very much in place. Your accent determines how you're treated or perceived by people, you know. Mm. So I think I got into a group of friends when I was like 14 that were posher than me. Like, you know, their parents lived in Cambridge because mummy and daddy studied literature there <laughs> and then stayed. <laughs> Whereas I'm a local that's from there, like generationally, the English side of my family was from there. And I think when I got into this group of friends, my accent kind of kind of got a bit posher. So then it pissed off the other people from my previous school. Like, who the fuck do you think you are now? Do you think you're fucking special? And then they would get their friends like come and kick me at lunchtime. And I used to hide and hide and eat my lunch. I'd go for a bike ride at lunchtime and I'd eat my sandwich by myself. And how long did this last? Yeah. Through high school? Up until I was... 14, 15. So it was like from the age of four to 14. So off and on different people for a decade. Yeah. Well, do you have any close friends from back then who kind of stuck with you? Not from those years. No, no. I've got one, two very good friends from home, but they, that happened after I kind of got away from all the bullies, but it was shit. I hated it. It ruined school. I still have nightmares about being at school and I wake up drenched in sweat. I mean, it's still very much 
in me and in a part of me and it's been it's definitely shaped who I am and I think it's why I'm still like a normal not to toot my own horn but people say to me oh don't ever change or when I started acting it's like I can't because like I'm still like this like chunky acne bullied person inside still isn't that funny isn't that isn't that funny not that I'm just saying in general because that's that's how I feel uh people don't understand that but when things happen to you when you're younger um and you're bullied or you're told you're stupid or you're told certain things it doesn't matter how successful you are or get for some reason those things still stick with you even if they're almost subliminal or subconscious I mean and they're just they sort of find their way out if you let them. Well, I, it's still it's still not completely like, you know, saged out of my experience. It's still in there. Like I've definitely worked on it in therapy and, you know, just tried to kind of like fix that part of myself. But there, I, I still, it's still in me because I, I would say that like my biggest trigger is being bullied. So if I feel under attack or if someone's coming after me, it's really hard for me to just be like soups chill about it and like let it brush off my back because yes. it's like me i'm like no you don't get to talk to me like that leave me alone and, and it's like yeah. aspect of me that's like fighting for four-year-old me going i've got this because i'm trying to be for myself what i didn't have then at the time and and it's it's really hard for me to stop doing it it's like rebecca you're not four like stop acting from that inner child I still place. yes I still do that too if I feel like I'm if somebody's condescending or making me feel dumb it's almost a defense mechanism where I'm starting to feel like oh oh, oh and then I kind of get like no whoa 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 it comes back up and it comes out and different emotion comes out because I don't want to let this crush me so what I do is I kind of get mad I can feel it in my chest and I know it's wrong and I'm like no 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 that's not what I'm saying and I will like there's no reason sometimes I'm like, why are you even doing this? And it's because does this ever come out? Has this ever come out on a set? Have you ever just really clashed with someone where you're just like, this person is just, I don't get it. I feel like I'm being bullied. I feel like they're just disrespecting me and you just want to crush them somehow. (laughs) I don't think I have actually. Really? Because it, it's definitely happened to me in my personal life a lot, and it happens to me in relationships all the time. But I don't think it's ever happened on set where I felt bullied in particular by a person. Other negative things may have been happened, like maybe they were inappropriate or kind, unkind or trying to neg me and put me down, which I guess is a form of bullying. But I don't know. Not where I've wanted to just like go completely postal and just like get really English. Because there's in there as well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But you would if you had to. Yeah. Yeah. I would. I probably would do it more now that for my son, if someone tried to bully him. (laughs) I really hate bullying. I just have no patience for it. And it I really, really hate it. And if I when I find out that people are being bullied, I get really upset and I think, what can I can do? How can I help? Like and I think that's one of the reasons why I've got such an amazing connection with a lot of the people that watched Once Upon a Time because I met so many people that suffered from it too. And it was really cathartic for me to share my stories with my fans and listen to theirs and sort of understand it, you know, and, and kind of not let it take over your life. So that's been really cool in a way. You know, I think the the bullying thing is also going to be very good um, you having experienced that and raising a son, I, I would know cause I'm not, I don't have a son, but with Milo, 
there's things that you could learn that you've learned that you could tell him that's that if you didn't experience that, maybe you wouldn't have uh, sort of informed him and kind of gave him an idea of like, Hey, this is happening, but you can relate to it. So you could sort of maybe express how you feel and, and maybe educate him a little more on that. Definitely. I mean, it's, I mean, I don't, I don't regret anything about my past and I also don't have pain about things that happened to me because selfishly, you know, it's made me a better actor. And I think, you know, I've worked with actors that have had fantastic childhoods, like the kind of people that you would meet, you know, like what you were saying about wishing to have different parents. And, you know, I've worked with actors that had amazing upbringings and were always attractive. And I find people like that really hard to relate to and quite boring. So people that have had like fucked up childhoods or yeah. used to be overweight and have acne like me, I find are colorful and interesting and been through stuff. And those are the actors that I really like to play with people that have lived, you know, so it's just made me a more interesting person. It's going to make me a better parent. So fuck it. Inside of you is brought to you by Neurohacker, Qualia Synaletic. I just sent some of this to my mother and she's starting to notice the differences. Hmm in herself and she, because I noticed my mother was always had brain fog and and she couldn't think clearly and and you know and and I I was like well this stuff works for me and what's great is I didn't even they weren't even a sponsor when I started using this um have you heard of synaletics yet well listen it's a class of ingredients discovered less than 10 years ago and they're being called one of the biggest discoveries of our time for helping to promote healthy aging and helping to enhance your physical prime your life goals in your career and beyond require productivity. But let's be honest, the aging process is not our friend when it comes to endless energy and productivity. That's why I use Qualia Senolytic. As we age, everyone accumulates senescent cells in their body. Senescent cells may cause symptoms of aging, such as aches and discomfort, slow workout recoveries, hello, sluggish mental and physical energy, hello, associated with that middle age feeling, hello. Also known as zombie cells, they are old and worn out and not serving a useful function for our health anymore, but they could be taking up space and nutrients from our healthy cells. Much like pruning the yellowing and dead leaves off a plant, Qualia Senoletic helps remove those worn out senescent cells to allow for the rest of them to thrive in the body. And you just take it two days a month. That's it. The formula is non-GMO, vegan, gluten-free, and the ingredients are meant to complement one another, factoring in the combined effect of all ingredients together. And they must believe in their product because they have a 100-day money-back guarantee. It's pretty amazing. I felt higher energies. Uh, I feel uh, more focused. Um, younger, I have to say, because a lot of these things make me feel younger. I feel more uh, productivity happening in my life, a little more enthusiastic, Help resist aging at the cellular level. Try Qualia Senoletic. Go to neurohacker.com slash inside for up to $100 off and use code inside at checkout for an additional 15% off. That's neurohacker.com slash inside for an extra 15% off your purchase. Thanks to Neurohacker for sponsoring today's episode. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. The products and statements are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Inside of you is brought to you by Rocket Money. If you want to save money, listen up. <laughs> I don't know how, how to tell you this other than this really works. Ryan went through this. Mm -hmm. We have so many unwanted subscriptions that we forget we have. And, uh, you know, there's so many apps nowadays that we just get lost. And, you know, I'm not very app savvy. 
and you know i'll watch a streamer and then the next thing i know i forget that i just watched one show and i'm still subscribed to this after six months with rocket money they take care of you. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. Why don't you say, did you know that nearly 75% and end at... Did you know that nearly 75% of people have subscriptions they've forgotten about? Yeah, I'm one of those people, Ryan. And between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it's never ending. Thanks to Rocket Money, I'm no longer wasting money on the ones I forgot about. With Rocket Money, I have full control over my subscriptions and a clear view of my expenses. I could see all of my subscriptions in one place. And if I see something I don't want, Rocket Money can help me cancel it with just a few taps. I love the dashboard and how it shows me this month's spending compared to last month. I like doing that. Uh, so I can clearly see my spending habits. Plus, they'll help me create a custom budget and keep my spending on track. Rocket Money will even try to negotiate lowering your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with the customer service for you. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions. That's simply astonishing. Saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash inside. That's rocketmoney.com slash inside. Rocketmoney.com slash inside. Do you like how for 30 minutes we just talked about all this stuff? This is what I like. <laughs> but you know what was amazing? Um, playing such a broken kind of damaged character on once was that she was so jealous that like they made that why the wicked witch went green right that was why i was green was because i was green with envy and with the relationship with my sister you know i got to screw, like there was this one director that just said you can just go after her the entire episode like every scene you're in just fight like a fucking dog and i had been waiting for someone to give me permission i spent the whole episode going i'm gonna take everything you ever had <laughs> <laughs> The whole episode, and I was talking to everybody that had tried to fuck me over since I was four in every scene, just like, ah, like the exorcist, my head popped off and spun around. It was amazing. It was probably cathartic. Beautiful colonic, like, ah, so good. When you first got uh, lost, was that like a game changer? Did you know? Because they told you, what did they tell you? Well, like, oh, it's just one episode. It might be two. That you knew it was going to be longer. That you can't just come on and get. You know, I initially was told it was going to be eight. It was supposed to be like an eight episode arc. And then I ended up doing, I think, like 22 or 23. And I'm sure they gave you tons of money to do it. <laughs> well, it, no, I wouldn't say tons because it's ABC Disney. So it's not like shishing, shishing, but it's like I had different contracts for different seasons. But it was like going into this, it was never about the money. It was like, okay, I am joining a brand new machine that's never been built before there's never been anything like this before this is actually a big fucking deal because I wasn't watching the show when I had the audition and then I went to Barnes and Noble at the Grove and got season one on DVD and I'm like I'm going to manifest this I'm going to watch every episode and pretend I'm preparing for a role because I'd just seen The Secret you know it was like back in 2007 when that was a big deal 
And I was like, I'm just going to go for it. But then, of course, when I started watching it, I'm like, oh, my God, this is amazing. How the fuck have I not been watching this for the past two years? Yeah, all my friends it. watched it. Like, why are you watching Lil's? Uh? And then when I started watching it, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm an idiot. This is amazing. And I'm like, okay, well, this is probably going to change my life. Was it intimidating getting on that set all of a sudden? What, your first scene wasn't your first scene with a bunch of actors? Yeah, my first scene was with, like you know, Locke and Sawyer and Claire and Hurley, like all of the, in the first day was bonkers. And Benjamin Linus shot me in the chest. Oh That's God. right. I remember I that scene. My first day at work. <laughs> Ugh, it was, it was epic. So I watched 66 episodes in three weeks in preparation for my first day at work because I joined an episode like 402 and all three seasons were already out on DVD. So I had like two weeks to like pack up and get ready to go to Hawaii. And I was watching the season finale of season three in my hotel room waiting for Transpo to pick me up. And they're all like, the world is like going, wow, wow. And they're on their hands and knees and then, and then they're like, Rebecca, we're ready for you. And then I went straight into the next season. It was the sickest thing I've ever experienced in my life. It was like I climbed inside my Apple computer. I was like in the episode. It was so weird. Was it intense? Was it, um... JJ wasn't directing a lot of them at this point, right? He just was producing it. So you didn't really get to meet him. I think he did. He definitely did the pilot. I don't know if he did any others. I I would have to look at that online. I'm not sure. Right. But you, uh, one thing I always say is when you audition, you get a role. At least you know that that's that's the way you're going to play it because that's why they cast you. If you get an offer, it seems so cool. Like, (laughs) I got an offer for that. (laughs) But it's not fun because... You go on set and they're like, uh, no, no. Can you try it like this? Like, oh shit, I don't know what I'm doing here. I've had that where I'm like, I got an offer and then I'm, I'm doing something. And they're like, no. I'm like, what? You hired me. <laughs> it, there's something scary about it, but you knew like you had the confidence. You were there. There wasn't really molding it or it was sort of. There was, there was on Lost. I auditioned for that. That wasn't an offer. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So, but then, so to me, I felt confident because they liked what I'd done in the room. So I felt like I knew what I was doing. But with Once Upon a Time, that was an offer. And I wasn't, they didn't, they never said how they wanted me to play it, which was really nice. And I got to just kind of do my own thing. And they were like, whatever you're doing, we love it. Keep doing it. I'm like, okay. Were those long days? It had to be long days. Mm-hmm. But it was cool because it was such a big ensemble cast. It wasn't like, you know, you were in all, all the scenes in this, you know, like with small casts where you work all day or a day. This was easier because it was so, like 10 series regulars plus all the guest stars plus everybody else. So sometimes, you know, you might have two or three great scenes and only work two or three days and then you'd have like five days off. Ooh, that's nice. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was it was wet and it was cold and it was physically grueling and there was lots of stunts and lots of rain. And we shot in the rain always because Vancouver, as yes. you know, is like, it's technically a rainforest. So for six months of the year, it was raining and we shot outside at night in the rain and we just shot in the rain, you know, with like a big scrim above oh, our yeah. heads oh, and yeah. get the pole and push it and whoosh. And what was crazy is like, I remember thinking it'd be like four o'clock in the morning. My gowns are so heavy and wet for the rain. I got, you know, mud up to my knees and it'd be like, bum, 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 rain just hitting the thing over our heads in the scene. I'm trying to shout over the rain. And I'm like, how is this, a, how is this usable footage? But then cut to you watch the episode and they were able to like pull the rain out like, like nothing had happened. I'm like, what? Bonkers. Yeah, I mean, that character, I mean, you're playing an iconic. And you, by the way, you're not coming on right away in the first freaking year. You you didn't come in until season three, right? 
it was very similar experience to Lost, where it kind of like got inserted into a pre-existing hit. See, that's so that's not easy though. Maybe for you it is. Maybe you're an anomaly. Yeah, because like when you when you when you're on a show from the beginning and you're in the pilot, it's amazing in in other ways where it's like it's your show and it's your baby and it's your thing. But then also if it fails, it's all on you, <laughs> you know, and then I don't know, I feel like going into something that's already really shiny, I mean, was such a blessing to me because it was already a hit. I knew it was going to air. I mean, how many pilots have I done that never even saw the fucking light of day? It's so disappointing. I was like, at least this work will be seen by people. It won't be completely for nothing, you know? Yeah, the only other question for that is, you know, the musical episode. <laughs> Did you sing? Is that your favorite? <laughs> well, I just, I watched some clips. I didn't see the whole episode. Did you sing in that? Yes. Yes, I did. Do you remember the lyrics? Of course I do. I mean, I sometimes, I sing, like, over the past sort of year or two, would get up on stage and sing my song at conventions. <laughs> what were the lyrics to the song? Oh, my God, it's a four-minute song, Rosie. That would take four minutes. Well, I didn't ask you to sing the four-minute song. I said, what are some of the lyrics? Like, oh, I'm wicked. I'm green. <laughs> That's exactly how it goes. Now you know why I mean. What is it? (laughs) It's called Wicked Always Wins. So it's like me winning and going to take my sister down and da 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 da. It was really cool because to shoot my song was a full day where just me in Oz with my munchkins. And it was the same as shooting a music video. It was so cool. And they would play the song really loudly on playback. And then I really sang along with it rather than mouthing it. Otherwise your neck, which I did never thought, because I'm not a singer, like your neck wouldn't move right if you're just, you know, mouthing the words. So I really sang it all day long as well and came up with the choreography. And it was how, so how long did How long did you have to learn the actual song? I think we had about three weeks. They had a singing teacher for us in LA and then he would Skype with us in Vancouver and give us singing lessons. And then we recorded it. We had like one session in a recording studio in Vancouver and then that was it. You know, I have to ask you about uh, Meryl Streep. Come on, because so far you haven't told me you're getting nervous at all, but you had to be nervous in front of Meryl Streep when you first met her. Chug the beer. Go ahead. No, you weren't nervous. I could tell. I mean, I didn't feel like, oh, I didn't, I didn't like poo my pants. She just, I don't know. I just felt very, very excited. And she's just so normal and chill and present and kind. But there, there was, there was one time we were sitting in her office when we were shooting and there was, they were doing something with the lighting, but they said like, don't, don't go to your chairs. Can you just stay here? We're just going to fix something. So I remember my heels were killing me and I was in like, you know, her character's office. I was like stretching out on the, on her couch. And like Meryl had her feet up in her Ugg slippers on her desk and she's doing a crossword and I'm drinking my latte. And this other actress was like, what is wrong with you? I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, you're like lying down and relaxed. It's fucking Meryl Streep. And you're like stretching it out like you weirdo. But I, she just genuinely made me feel and I felt that comfortable around her. It was, I don't know, it was like really yummy energy. Did you ask to take a picture with her or uh, sign I an did, autograph? I did, I was like, oh, don't be that person. I'm so not that person. I'm that I person. I asking for people. For, I never, ever, ever Who gives a shit? Why? But... I just thought, in my career, what if it doesn't get better than this? And there's really nothing better than her. It's like doing a movie with the Queen and then going, ah. I was like, I don't want to regret it when I'm older, that I didn't at least ask. I thought, worst case scenario, she could say, I'm not comfortable with that. Sorry, darling. And then that would be fine, too. So after I rapped, I snuck up to her trailer and I knocked on the door. And I'm like, Meryl, darling, I'm so sorry to bother you, but I've rapped. And she's like, oh, no. 
Oh my, can I please have a photo? Of course you can. Get in here. She was so nice. I see. I had that same experience with Robert England in '98 for Urban Legend. I was like, what if it doesn't get better than meeting Freddy Krueger? I'm taking a picture with Fred Krueger right now. That's one of my the first Nightmare on Elm Street. One one of my favorite films of all time, and the first ever convention I did was a horror convention. And she was there in Florida. And I, I'd never been to a convention in my life. Plus, I was signing, so I didn't understand what was going on. And then I heard one that someone at my table say that Robert England was there. I'm like, what? Where? And I jumped up and left my table, and I'm, like, running, looking for Freddie, and he was doing photo ops. And I walked in. He had no idea who I was. I'm like, hi And I, like, jumped in next to him, and he put, like, the blades around my face, and I'm going, ah! Oh, my God. Nicest guy. Like, I remember the poster. It said, if Nancy doesn't wake up screaming... She won't wake up at all. Oh, Creep. you, Freddy's coming, coming for you. you. Three, four. <laughs> you know, do you, do you know the later it. numbers, though? Nine, ten, never sleep again. What's I eleven, twelve? So eleven, creepy. twelve, going straight to hell. Yeah. Thirteen, fourteen. There's no. Remember once he cut the top of that guy's head off, and he's like, "You'll be the, no, I'll be the beauty, you be the brains." When I was eleven, I had a full size poster of Freddy Krueger, like of the, of the door, stuck with blue tack on the back of my bedroom door. I could see him from bed doing this. <laughs> I have a doll God. of him right there. I have a doll up there of him. I mean, I have some. Yeah, same shit. Same. Okay. Love him. What's your favorite Fred Krueger? Uh, Freddy Krueger uh, quote. That one, I'll be the beauty, you be the brains. When he cuts the guy's, um, when he scalps that guy, his brain's like pulsating out. That's my favorite. I think I like, welcome to prime time, bitch. In the fourth one, I think, Dream Warriors. And then also in the first one, he goes, Tina. And she looks at him. And then he says, this is God. And he cuts his fingers <laughs> off. Uh, all right. These are questions. Uh, shit talking questions for Rebecca Mater. Why, why Bex? Is Bex a thing for Becky? Rebecca? I've never been called Becky. Um, Bex? Becky Mater. My husband actually really brought it back. Some of the guys at school, like my, my guy friends used to call me Bex. Like B-E-C-K-S. And then when my husband and I got together, he started calling me Bex. I was like, oh, I love it when people call me that. But then it became B-E-X rather than and he always calls me Bex. He doesn't call me anything else. And now you have a thing with your brother at home with Sean and Bex. Yes, there you go. And you can find that so on Instagram. And the people that follow me, they everyone calls me Bex, except for my parents. Now they they call me Beck. I never call you Bex. I just call you Mater. A lot of people call me Mater. Everyone in my my agent, my whole team, all call me Mater. It's so funny how people have different names for me. And then my nieces call me Aunt Becca. I'm Becca. This is uh, shit talking questions from my patrons, and uh, you could uh, these are quick, quick fire. Ashley E, how long did it take to put on that green makeup? One and a half hours. I got you beat. It was like two and a half for my baldness, <laughs> but that wasn't my question. Anna <laughs> A, how fun was it to play such an iconic character as a Wicked Witch of the West? How long was the makeup process? We told you that an hour and a half. It's one of the best things that's ever happened to me. Literally changed my fucking life, and I don't know, man. That character will be with me forever. Love it, love it, love it, love her. Miss her. Who do you miss most on the show? The one right then it just came to mind. What was that? I was going to say I don't miss any of them because we're all still friends and we're all here in L.A. I'm friends with so many people from that show. It's it's abnormal. Jennifer Morrison was on the show. I love her. I walked away with at least 10 friends. Like When you leave a show, you're lucky if you get one goodie. I've got loads. Like at my baby shower, half the room 
for onces. <laughs> oh, I love it's crazy, that. yeah. Marissa N, what was one of the most exciting or most challenging scenes to do in Once Upon a Time? Exciting, definitely the musical episode for sure. And then challenging would be going like traipsing through mud and snow at four o'clock in the morning with walking pneumonia and wanting to die and having to like deliver a fucking monologue or you know, 20 minute you know, speech when I couldn't breathe and wanted to die. It was so <sighs> cold and well, that was hard. Dust off. If you could make your own character in Once Upon a Time, who would it be and what powers would you have and would you use them for good or evil? I wouldn't want to be another character other than the Wicked Witch of the West. And if I could have an extra power just outside of it, I've always wanted, I, I wouldn't mind stealing like Harry Potter's invisibility cloak. I'd love. I knew you that. were going to say that. And someone really? just told me, well, I don't know about Harry Potter, but being invisible. And yes. they said, you know, when people want invisibility, it can only be used for one thing. And that's bad. That's a bad thing. If you would do good things, you want to be seen. If you do bad things, you don't want to be seen. Hence invisibility. <laughs> That's what I'll say. Lisa H. in playing Zelina. I said that right. Zelina? Zelina? How is it for your acting process going from villain to what some people see as a good person? Do you feel her character development was more of a redemption story? There was a, definitely an arc where I went from being less psycho and less bitchy, but I think the vulnerable part of my character was always there, which was fun, because it wasn't like I was just angry and cold from the beginning. I was definitely emotional and broken and got to show that throughout so at least that was there it wasn't just like oh i was really nasty and then i was really nice it was it was a cool arc but there was always they always wrote places for me to show my vulnerability from the beginning which was cool danny i like that rebecca describes herself as a fangirl and a sci-fi geek what are your favorite shows <sighs> my god game of thrones i would say probably number one i love that show i auditioned for the pilot for who <laughs> Queen Cersei. Ooh. <laughs> Can you imagine? Wow. wow. Yeah. I remember the audition at HBO and I just had surgery and I was so out of it. I don't know how I remembered lines. And I sort of did the before was like, well, do you know? Blah, blah, blah. I slept with my brother in the tower. I don't know what I did, but I was in the mix for like six weeks. Oh. <laughs> And H, do interactions with fans differ depending on which role they associate uh, you with? The number one thing that I notice in terms of if people recognize me when I'm out, when I go out without a stitch of makeup on and my hair back and I go to Whole Foods looking like crap in my Jimmy Jam scrams, people go, oh my God, Charlotte, lost, I loved you. And then if I've made a bit of an effort and put my things together, people go, oh my God, Zelina, once upon a time, always. And I never get recognized for the other one, the other way around. Dion K, any memorable moments on the set of Lost that you can remember? Of Lost? Who is the diva on that set? Come on, give me something. <laughs> I can't, I can't do it. I mean, there was a diva, it. though. I will tell you. How many divas were on that right. set? One, two, three. How many do you remember? Like, oh, they're difficult. They are difficult. You won't say, you won't say the name. But one was the dog. <laughs> <laughs> the dog was the first character I met on, on the set. I was sitting waiting for them to finish the scene, and he came and sat next to me. My my heart fluttered. I was like, oh, my God, I was so nervous. I'm like, the dog, it's the dog. <laughs> I, couldn't, I was so excited. Oh, I want to hear this diva. <laughs> not doing it you're not gonna do it it's, it's so funny because every once in a while you'll work with someone you're like man <laughs> they just aren't happy something's going on maybe they're just going through that's a lot of is. stuff that's what it is that's what you have to do you have to go as long as it doesn't 
you know, as long, as long as it doesn't affect my work and they, as long as they don't be bitchy to me. But you know what it is? It's like, you know, I've had some really challenging financial chapters in my life. Really, you know, where I've had nothing. And then, so then when I'm working, I'm just, I, I really try to kind of focus on the positive, no matter what the situation, just the blessing of I'm working and this is my happy place and I'm in my chair and I'm like, yeah, this is why I do what I do. So then when I see someone acting so poorly or being really unkind to hair and makeup or a PA, I'm just like, fuck off home then. You don't have to be here. You know, we're not saving lives. We're making telly. And if you don't want to do it, then fucking don't. There's a million other people that will cut their right arm off to be sitting where you are. I have no patience for it. Yeah. I just, that's something you've just lost me. I'm like, I'm never going to be friends with you. You're not a nice person. Can I guess who it was? <laughs> you know, look, I, I love talking to you and I, it's been a while, but I always follow you on Instagram. I just, I'm happy for you. I genuinely am. And I know you went through a lot, like, you know, young age, you were modeling and then you went to New York and you were, and you did some soap operas, which are fucking, I don't know how anybody does those. How do they memorize 35 pages in a fucking day? I would puke all over my own penis. Did I just say that? But I'm just happy for you. And you're super talented. And you're, uh, you deserve all of it. Aww, what yeah. a lovely thing to say. Thank you. That means you, a lot coming from you. What, Thank you. Wait, what? Yeah. Well, it does. Thank you. That's really sweet. I'm, I like hearing that. Well, Take it. Let- you know what the best part about this interview is? You? Mm, no. That Milo didn't wake up crying. Yay! You were worried about that. He's out cold. Where's his feet? Oh. <laughs> There's his Bless. feet. He's out. He's such a good boy. What's your handle so people could follow you? At Bex Mader, B-E-X-M for mother, A-D-E-R, at Bex Mader. I'm a hoot and I'm very humble. Obviously, if you listen to this, if you're this far <laughs> along. Uh, at home with Sean and Bex, you could look, listen to her and her brother, Sean. Well, not by blood, but my brother from another mother. He's like my my brother, uh, my best boy. I see. He's my I best mate. <clears throat> and that's our YouTube channel that we've been doing to kind of just have something to do during the pandemic and stop ourselves from going completely bonkers. What do you want to do? What's the next thing you'd like to do? I want to do a multicam in LA. Really? Be a giant penis and be home for lunchtime to see my baby. They always say that multicam is the best job. You ask any actor, I think I'm the only one in the universe who thinks differently. I'm sorry. I don't think it's easy. I don't. Oh my God. You know why? Because I've done it. And and the reason why I, because there's something about everything's changing every day. The lines are changing. This is changing. And all of a sudden Friday night, you're going up in front of an audience and you could be learning lines and I'm just, I, I like to, I like half hours or movies or I like to have the material where I could really get into it. I know it's that material. I don't like it. Things changing all the time. I'm just, I don't like that. It is stressful for sure. Especially like, you know, as it gets rewritten every day and you might lose a joke that you become really attached to and you're like, yeah. no, 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 no. And then yep. it's gone. And then, and then it comes back and you're like, Oh, it's back. And then it goes again. And it's, it's, it's definitely an emotional roller coaster. And I did a, I did a pilot with James Burroughs and Sean Hayes in 2018. And I'm like, this is going to be huge. The entire crew and set of writers were from Will and Grace. I'm like, it's a hit. It's on NBC. It's definitely going to get picked up. You know, and you spent, we, we had two weeks instead of one week to rehearse it. And we finally get to the end and then they changed all of my lines on the night. Never seen them before. And they just hand me a laptop and they're like, so these are the changes. I'm going to cut that bit. You're going to go a different way around the table and here are your new jokes. Okay. And I'm like, and they're like, okay, let's go. And I'm like, 
what <laughs> did you fuck up a lot all these changes did you were you able to just get them and, and deliver them easily yeah but it wasn't always breezy i mean the stakes were really fucking high and i was so nervous but Ooh. then when i did it and i crushed it and i got a laugh the high was like it was so high yeah i remember um, them throwing things at me I'm like all right michael john's gonna say this and then you're gonna say that My, for some reason this is when i start feel, feeling dumb again as a kid from as a kid because i can't He's going to say that, then he's going to say that, and, and you're going to say that. So while they're going, I can't even listen because all I can think about is the line I'm supposed to say. Got it. And it was just, it's, I just don't, I don't like that. It's too stressful a format for you. It's too stressful. It's, it's too stressful a format. I would I do it, but I always would say, I hope that they didn't change my shit. And sometimes, I remember my dad came one night, live a studio audience, and they gave me this monologue at the end. And I remember going, I just went over it 1,000 times because, you know, I can't mess this up. And I remember on the on the on the set, I said it, and they go, "All right, re, a repo, reposition." Did it again. Didn't really get it. And then the, and the director was cool enough to go, "All right, moving on." And we picked it up at the end when the audience was gone. Oh, nice. That's really I nice. love live live theater, but that stuff is just like I don't I, I don't like it as much. Maybe if I you know maybe if you were producing it, you know what I mean. So you were in control. So I would never produce a multi camera. No, no, I'm kidding. Yeah, that's true. I want to. I want to make a horror movie. That's my goal. So. All right, look, I I'm love available. you. I'm available. Hey, believe me, I know you could do it. You could freaking do it. <laughs> See, you, you can. You can do it. You can play crazy. I think you could play crazy. Sex. Hey, listen. Thank you for allowing me. Like Chucky. Let's be honest. <laughs> listen. Thank you for allowing me to be inside of you. This has been wonderful. Oh. It felt so good. Thank you so much. Anytime. <laughs> All right. I love you. Thank you. I love you too. See you soon. Bye, darling. Guys, uh, great episode. I like how open she is. She's so silly, right? I mean, she just lets go and doesn't give a shit. Rebecca, thank you for coming on. I uh, I hope you guys uh, keep doing your thing. And, um, you know, that live podcast with Zachary, Zachary Levi and I uh, was supposed to be July 2nd, but obviously that had to be pushed and it'll be later in the fall. So keep looking. Wait, wait another month. You'll know it because I'll post everything when we have it rescheduled at the right time. And again, hey, uh, the uh, support the show, the handles, uh, Twitter, Instagram. It's pretty much inside of you podcast or Instagram and Facebook inside of you pod on um, Twitter. Email your friends. Tell them to watch it. And uh, I, I, I would certainly appreciate that. And patrons, <clears throat> thank you again. If you're interested, go to patreon.com or there's an app and you can go on there and get bonus material and things from me and merch. And just check it out. It's a lot of fun. And the other uh, Patreon is uh, where have all the good horror movies gone? And that's another Patreon I do with John Heater, Napoleon Dynamite. And uh, it's a blast. Why don't I read off the uh, wonderful patrons who make this show possible? Nancy D, Mary B. Leah S, Trisha F, Sarah V, Yukiko, Jill E, Brian H, Lauren G, Nico P, Barry L. It's actually Barry I. I mess it up every time. Angelina G Lee, Jerry W, Kevin R, Emily K, Rob, Bob B, Robert B. Mm, are they brothers? One's Bob, one's Robert. Jason W, Kristen K, Amelia O, Allison L, Jason D, Raj, Joshua D, Emily B, CJP, Samantha M, Hamza B, Je Hamza B, Hamza B, sorry, I had to say it three times, Jennifer N, Stacy B, Carly T, almost done here, Reem, Jennifer S, hi Reem, Jennifer S, Janelle B, 
Tabitha 272, Kimberly E, Melissa C, Mike E, Jake M, Marissa N, Judith D, Manriello, Judith D, Ramira, Beth B, Chris F, Sarah F, Chad W, Leanne B, Darla W, Jackie P, Rodrigo S, Rachel C, Ray A, Maya P, Megan D, Demario, Jennifer C, Madi S, Tiffany L, Kendrick, hi Tiffany, Kendrick F, Ashley E, Kelly W, Sigourney P, Tom T, Matt W, Belinda N, and Benjamin R. And if you're wondering why I read off these names, it's part of the Patreon. These folks are uh, what's called the top tier. And um, every episode at the uh, at the end, I name their names off. And um, I wish I could take the time to talk about each person or say how much I appreciate them, but uh, they know it. So that's why you're hearing those names. If you're like, why does he read these names? Well, that's part of the tier, and I enjoy doing it, and these people uh, keep the show going. So thank you to all these wonderful patrons of mine. And um, look for me on the Instagram Lives, folks. I'll be doing uh, soon. I try to do one once a week if I can, and it's a lot of fun. I always bring people, random folks in, and you meet some amazing people. We had this 16-year-old girl who answered, and so there's a video of her and I talking, and she just kind of seemed a little bit anxious or, you know, sort of, I don't know, in a funk, which I understand. And we uh, we talked and I felt like it just, I, I don't know, I felt like it just, uh, she she said, you know, this made my night or something like that. It just, it made my night. It just was nice to talk to someone and go, hey, I remember being young and not being, I wasn't, I wasn't popular. And you can tell. This uh, young lady is really bright, and uh, I think she's going to have a great future. So it was nice. So those Instagram lives. Support the show whenever you can, however you can. Emailing, tweeting, all that stuff. Get it out there. Help me help you. <clears throat> Terrible that I quoted that one. Um, and that's all I have to say. So thank you, and thank you for allowing me to be inside each and every one of you guys. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was the three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.